to the D&D Roundtable. Where we chat with some of the most interesting folks in the tabletop role-playing world. I'm Jenny Loveday. And I'm Paige Lightman. And we're your host for the show. Welcome to the <laughs> D&D Roundtable. Today, Ginny and I have the pleasure to sit down with Eric Mingi, who is a prolific creator within the RPG industry and the captain of some very interesting stuff. We're going to start off tonight with our get to know you question. Our get to know you question is, what's the favorite NPC, your favorite NPC you ever created? All right, so we're going to pass that one uh who wants to do it first? Paige, do you want to do oh, it no. first? Oh, no, 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 Am I going to have to do it first? We try not to put our guest on the spot. I was yeah, pretty sure Dave you. told me, by the way, that it was Eric Mange. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, I, yeah, that is. <laughs> this week. Because that's how uh, Dave Chris mispronounced it. It, it. it ends at the same time as John Christian has to go back to not being a diva. So this weekend, it's over. It's Mingy yeah. again. Um, but <laughs> um, on to the important question of what is your favorite NPC you ever created? This was actually this was actually kind of easy for me, and it's actually also kind of like um, not particularly a fair answer because I wasn't entirely responsible for creating said NPC. Um, but I wrote this little adventure for um, GameholeCon in the Border Kingdoms that centered around an NPC named Simon. Um, Simon is relevant and uh, near and dear to my heart because Simon was my mother's first D&D character. Simon's pretty cool. Yeah, he's just in the wrong place at the right time, wrong time. Who knows? He doesn't want to be a thief. He's just really good at it. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> just a lovable little scamp. Um, except, you know, not really. Um, he's an assassin by trade. Uh, but, you know, totally a good guy. Um, and so, yeah, he's an interesting NPC in that because you start out and you think he's the bad guy. And then you find out that he's literally in, gotten in way over his head. And it's all just a big misunderstanding. Um, and theoretically, you end up helping him. You could also just, like, I guess, slash his neck and take him back to town. That's an option. Um, but... Uh, that's a favorite one I've ever written into an adventure just because like um it brought the biggest smile to my mom's face especially because I got art artwork done for it oh that's amazing yeah all right I can't imagine my mom playing Dungeons and Dragons yeah me either man we're making we're making more mom and I are making more Simon content excellent I'm working on D&D projects with my mother like live in the dream live in the dream yeah my parents still think D and D is. Uh, I don't think it's satanic. They just think it's like super unbecoming for a grown woman to be involved in. I think it's tedious. Do you know what's unbecoming? Adulthood. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so we'll just put that in the bin first. Yes. Alrighty, uh, Eric, your turn to be on the spot. Favorite NPC. Alrighty, um, I'm going to reach into the Wayback Machine, and I'm going to pull an NPC from Living Greyhawk. Oh, boy. Is it the one of the Fontaine sisters? Oh, no, she's a PC. 
Oh, sure, sure, sure. Fair. And you said NPC. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, it would yeah, be yeah. Daniela Fontaine, High Herald of Kieland. But no, you are going to get Khalees Scotty, who is the uh, Princess of Kieland and also mm-hmm. became the uh, Grand Duchess of Jeff. And uh, her story that it- she had a fairy tale. Uh, arc through Living Greyhawk's uh, Jeff campaign that we did, where it, it began with a marriage and ended with a kiss. Aww, and so sweet. The player, when the first players first meet her, she's a fish out of water. She was used to the royal court of Keoland, and being the youngest of like seven children, uh, she was through political. Uh, Machinations was uh, arranged to marry the Grand Duke of Jeff, who was Jeff uh, at the time was a uh, backwater province of the Greater Keyland, and so she got packed up to go to this country that was overrun with giants, full of orcs, and was just people uh, who wore untanned hides in court. Yes. And then she, uh, the uh, party has to help her through numerous adventures where she loses her husband and then uh, who is kidnapped by the Fae and she has to go on a uh, long arc into the Fae wild to find her husband. And the party gets to, I love it because you get to watch her grow as she goes through the process and she becomes more competent each time learning from the player characters who are helping her. Until finally she meets her husband, who is now the Hollow Prince, and is leading a fey army to help the bad guys because he has no emotion. Turns out that when he uh, married Khalees, he said that I give you my heart. And the fey took that literally, which is oh, why he's no. the Hollow Prince. When you meet him, he has this cave in the middle of his chest with nothing there. And it's her kiss that restores that his heart to him makes him whole and then he switches sides and she brings an army in to the beleaguered uh good guys who are being overwhelmed with giants so it's kind of like the uh helm's deep section of Mm -hmm. two towers where all the (laughs) fake of riding in to ride and cleese is a very fascinating and intricate character we got to see over many adventures and that's why i like i like her so much I like that. That's good. Good. A good character arc is so um, satisfying. It's one of the reasons why I like like uh, Ahsoka Tano from the Star Wars mm-hmm. mythology because she is such a fun character. Yeah. And, and and this is kind of that same vibe. Yeah. Except Ahsoka is growing out of brattiness, and I guess. And she is growing out of naivete. Yeah. I'm still working on Simon's redemption arc. <laughs> So redemption arcs are tight. Yeah. So I, I'm like I'm flummoxed. I'm at a loss. I, I knew this was going to be hard for you. Yeah. Like which one of my children do I love the most? Right. Um. So I'm merely going to talk about a NPC I made that I liked. Uh, her name is Big Jean, and she is a troll, and she lives in Daggerford, and uh, she hangs out in the tunnels there and she's not super interested in like doing troll kind of stuff and marauding in town she has learned that if she just kind of looms at people they will throw baked goods at her and uh and she can just kind of hang out and eat baked goods without exerting herself too much 
That actually kind of sounds like the life. If people would just like throw muffins and rolls at me. Yeah, like the, there's whole things in her stat block about cupcakes. Um, <laughs> which is, yes, a reference to my husband. Uh, but uh, when I was making her, I was I was thinking about how the kids in town would interact with her. And uh, the kids in town have a song they sing about her. Who likes to hide and huddles downside and who loves fine cuisine? Give her a snack or your whole pack. It's Jean, Jean, Jean. It's Jean, it's Jean. She's big, she's angry, she's green. It's Jean, it's Jean. She's gonna eat you, she's mean. I love it! <laughs> so, I, I laugh my ass off putting that together. <laughs> oh, that is delightful. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I love them all. I love oh, all my <laughs> I need to do more songs for my NPCs. I guess that's the only song I've ever made for an NPC. That's a really good one, though. The rhyming was like on point. Mm. It's a uh, it's a uh, animaniac. Not animaniacs. It's uh, oh, that's, uh, Ren and, uh, yeah, that's Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, it's wood. Yeah, it's wood. It's wood. Yeah. Oh, log, yes. Log, yes. log, log. It's log. Log, log. Yes. Yeah. Hey, it's a good I tune. Like, I knew it sounded familiar, and I'm yeah. like, I can't put my finger on it. Um, yeah. Those are all really good. This is probably one of our better questions. Yeah. Yeah. No. Kudos to you, girl. I, like I said, I I was flummoxed with that one. This is the get to know you question is kind of like my specialty. And then like actually thinking of things to ask our guest is Paige's specialty. We are team. <laughs> I sat there looking at the questions for guests section and I'm just like, yeah. So, so let's start off with a basic one. Eric, <laughs> probably not everyone in our audience knows you. Yeah. Hey. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Eric Menge. I, well, wait, no, this week it's uh, Eric Mangey, according to David Christ. Uh, I am a DM who works with Bald Man Games. I do a lot of uh, adventure writing for the organized play, uh, D&D designing through four different campaigns over the past 20 years, dating from Living Greyhawk through Leg Leg Legacy of the Green Regent to uh, Living Forgotten Realms, then finally... The Adventures League, where I am the story architect for the Moonshays, which is one of my favorite regions in the Forgotten Realms, because it is Anglo-Celtic folklore and harkens back to one of my favorite series, The Chronicles of Pride Dane by Lloyd Alexander. And being part Welsh, I love that stuff. Mm. And it... And it's that's why so I can't pronounce any of the characters' names. <laughs> He's even de-Welshified a lot of them, but they're still a mouthful. There's a lot of consonants going on. Just remember, most of those consonants are actually vowels. Yeah, that's, that's the nice. problem. The W is actually a double U, and the Y is totally a vowel. Well, y is sometimes a vowel anyways. Yeah, it, it often is in Welsh. So, uh, And the DDs are pronounced as THs, and the uh, LL is a sound. So if you see a name that is L-L-W-D-D, -D, it looks like lewd, but it's actually pronounced tight. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I, why there are so many fairies. 
<laughs> I will uh, continue butchering them along with most of the DMs then. You are more than welcome to. So, uh, so for Baldman Games, uh, mm-hmm. they have a special dispensation from Wizards of the Coast. They can so with Wizards of the Coast, the everybody else has to write. Um, used to be they had to write for areas around the Moon Sea. Currently, they have to write in areas around Bald uh, around Eastern Dale. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, but Baldwin, because. Yeah, because Baldman Games is part of the premier organizer program, along right. with Game Holcon. Yep. Dave and stood so- outside and shown his bald head on their windows, and Jeremy Crawford was blinded so much that he agreed to this, <laughs> and oh, we got our own region. Right. It worked well. So it's a so it's a pretty special thing, and you're the first story architect for it, right? You've basically hatched the program. Mm-hmm. Actually, the first is Sean Merwin. I was going to say, oh, Merwin. right. I, I forgot Merwin. that Merwin was in charge of it for a while. Uh, and then he uh, pulled the hold my beer and ran out the door while I was holding the beer. And that's how I ended up story <laughs> architect. Was uh, it at least a good beer? It was. It was. Uh, All right. All right. We'll forgive him then. Leading Kugel, I believe. Uh, but... Uh, Sean Merwin started us off as the uh, first story uh, story architect. And Treasure hunt. He uh, also has a deep love for Eberron. And right. when Oracle of War came up as an opportunity, he realized there is only so much Merwin to go around. Yep. And so uh, he knew I problem. was... We, we have yet to figure out how to clone him. Uh, so they did the next best thing, which is, uh, hey, that Eric guy likes fairies. <laughs> True facts. Yeah, it's true. A bit of an understatement. Oh, I got them all over the place. Yeah, our audience can't see this, but Eric's office is. Oh yeah, uh, they're here for inspiration. Yeah, covered, covered with all kinds of fairy goodness. Fairy Um, puppet, fairy mask, fairy. Yes. Oh yeah, that's my uh, uh, seasonal, seasonal green man. Mm. I particularly like the winter one. It's a lot of fun. When we get back in, uh, in person, we do a winter fantasy. I'm totally going to have the winter prince out garb. Nice. Oh, yeah. So with the moonshades over the last three or four years, we we decided it was? Yes. 2018, 2019, 2020. So three and a half? Three and a half years. Yeah, we got <laughs> slowed down because of COVID. Right, right. We were supposed to finish up this past Gen Con, but... COVID threw everything <sighs> So how many how many adventures have you been essentially the lead designer story architect on Six for, the moon she, for the moon shays? And how many of those did you actually write yourself? <laughs> Don't ask questions like that. <laughs> uh, surprisingly few because I have a really good team uh, for the ones I wrote myself. I only did 2-3, 11-3, and then 19-3. Mm-hmm. And I picked the ones that I thought were crucial turning points uh, mm-hmm. uh, for the, the campaign. That way I didn't have to really ruin it for someone. Uh, because whoever writes that would know all the secrets. Because right. Especially 11.3, which has a giant reveal in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we have a second, even, you know, 19.3, since we only go through 20 trilogies. Uh, 19.3 is the penultimate mm-hmm. before uh, where... All everything comes tumbling down, and again, I didn't want to completely spoil for a poor writer who was going to get this nine months before the end of the campaign. 
Right, right. Um, um, I came in on five, uh, Moonshay five. So uh, you're you're responsible for Moonshay five through Moonshay twenty. Yes. And each of those is three adventures. With the exception of twenty, which will just be one giant adventure. Oh, okay. That that's a whole lot of stories. Oh, hey, there we go, math. So forty-three <laughs> adventures enemy. in three and a half years. Helps to have a t- good team. Yes. Yeah, so tell us about your team. Uh, the, the team. I, I am the first tier. So uh, sure. uh, at the top, then I, the underneath of me is the uh, trilogy leads who as your name implies, lead each of the trilogies. And they are uh, Peter Schleipen, uh, Amy Linda Zura, uh, Savannah Houston McIntyre, Tony Winslow Brill, uh, Robert Alanez, uh, before mm-hmm. his unfortunate passing, Cindy Moore. And I'm trying to think if there's any others. I believe those were the six. Mm-hmm. And our, our current trilogy leads are, are Peter, Amy, Savannah, and Tony. Sure. Did Laura not do... Laura Thompson? Just, does she just write? Uh, Laura Thompson's been uh, is doing all sorts of secret squirrel stuff for Dave on the Bald Man Games website. Mm. Yeah, I don't know why I thought she was more involved in the in the Moonshade stuff too. At some point, uh, she wanted to. She was doing all the web outreach and thing, uh, things on that a- angle. There's just so many pots of soup. <laughs> <laughs> And even inside the moonshades, we now have four different pots going. And this way, we we, we premiere three trilogies a year, and mm-hmm. one person's getting a break. Right. Because Which it turns is, out to be a lot of work. Yeah, imagine that. Who so knew? So, how, how many, so if you've got these four, five, six trilogy leads, uh, how many authors do you have working for you? A lot. Uh, like, I mean, round numbers. I mean, a hundred or 50 or 15. Uh, Under contract, I have 49. Mm -hmm. That's that's a lot. We do have some repeats. Um, Mm -hmm. if you do a great job, we keep bringing you back. Mm -hmm. The, uh, uh, also the, the trilogy leads pick their writers. So I don't oh, okay. the writers. Uh, that's one of the glories and powers of being the trilogy lead is you get to pick your writers that you work with. Um, Great. What I do is I collected a big sheet, uh, a, a writer's pool mm. of all the people that said they were interested in writing for us. And so whenever a trilogy lead says, I need three writers, I say, here you go. Boom. Here's 200 people who said they were interested. Lots of luck. <laughs> And uh, go through, I have like their names, their emails, their uh, mm-hmm. contact information and what else they've written and uh, any other uh, pertinent information that we pass on. Um, so, so you have all these people working for you. This is a full-time job? It feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it, it, it takes a... About 20 plus hours a week. Mm-hmm. Okay, 20. so really solid part-time job. Uh, it, it probably could take everything, if, but as I said, I got some very good trilogy leads to do the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. And then also we have the editorial team of Janine Hempy and Andrew Hewitt, who 
do all my proofreading. And then we have the uh, layout team headed up by Eric Nowak, who do all the layout in InDesign. So I don't have to do that either. Mm-hmm. But Enjoy I do have... being the boss is delegation. Yeah, but yes, but you have to keep all these schedules up. Uh, one of the good things about that Lifetime Achievement Award Dave handed out is it's kind of sharp and pointy. Like, yeah. You hope people. <laughs> I like, gave you a round win specifically. Oh, you did? Oh, Dave didn't get that memo. The virtual one is round, so you can't stab anyone online. <sighs> well, that's good. Uh, <laughs> missing out my point, pokey thing. Um, but we also have also the uh, the, the cartographers uh, mm-hmm. and uh, artists, Amanda, Sydney and Gene, all artists, yes, Matt and. Uh, Oh, good God, there's a list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a big list. Because early on, we decided we wanted our NPCs to be very recognizable, and I thought the best way to do that was to illustrate them. Mm-hmm. I've been slowly disseminating some of that art, and I'm just like, it's just so much of it. A Viv or is amazing. So is Steph, so is Sarah, uh, so is Veronica. Oh, if you get to Veronica's fairies. They are mm-hmm. incredible. And so, so do you have like a big conspiracy theory board up on one of your walls with like pictures of every NPC and then strings telling who they are friends or enemies with? That would be fun. No, we got something really close to it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, uh, the Dramatis Personae Omnibus, mm. which keeps track of all of the characters and it got so big that I ended up having to split it into two. Yes. And I want to see how many pages there are. Now I get two NPCs per page on this thing because we're doing the AL style. So it's yeah. I can cut and paste it in and out. Yeah. And that way it's consistent between adventures. Yes. I feel like I saw it somewhere around like 13 or 14 uh, the trilogy, and it was a lot. It was massive. Oh, it's uh, 110 pages. Okay, yeah. we gotta stop doing that. Together or as part one and part two? Uh, part one and part, uh, sorry, together is about 110 pages. Okay. So, wow, that's a lot of, so how, from a project management standpoint, do you keep up with all of this? Badly. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yes. Sticky notes, spreadsheets, Trello. A lot of spreadsheets. Um, a lot of spreadsheets. Uh, you know, like, I've gotten really good with Excel. I mean, I'm not page good, uh, but I'm I mean, really good at color coding um, various cells. Mm-hmm. That's my talent. I can cut and paste styles with the best of them. Jenny, after the show, remind me I have a cool spreadsheet to show you. It's so cool. <laughs> See? Uh, and, and that's how you keep track of where things are in the editorial process uh, and how what's been delegated and what uh, status it is. We also use Slack a lot to keep in touch mm-hmm. with them, but I think we're phasing that out and going with Discord in the near future because Discord is easier to get people into. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, and if people are already on Discord anyway, because of all the BMG uh, virtual tabletop game days, yeah. yes. it, it's an easy hop over to uh, join us in the writing stuff. Sure, sure, sure. 
Just add one more server. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always add one, one more server. Oh, yes. plus sign never goes away as it keeps going down. How many? Yes. No, no, you got to have folders inside yeah, folders. of folders. Yep. I've started using the folders. So good idea. So you've been doing this for 20 years. Like I think yes. you and I met kind of in the heyday of Living Greyhawk in we 2004, did. May 5, 6, something like that. And you've been... um, I quit being a trilogy lead, sorry, triad lead. Uh, so back in Living Greyhawk, they had regions instead of everything together. Mm-hmm. So I was one of the regional leads in Living Greyhawk that just covered Virginia, Maryland, Delaware. And I was, that's why I was in charge of the Jeff storyline. Again, the same kind of thing. You're managing authors and. At a yep. much smaller scale. We only had yeah. eight adventures a year instead yeah. of 24. <laughs> but the important question is, did you have yours ready before the con or were you still furiously writing come con time like some regions? Sean Molly. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna hear you. He is surprising. <laughs> you know what? I I love myself some Sean Molly, and I we frequently tease him about writing the epic and printing out pages for the DMs as for each encounter as the epic moves along. We never had that problem, but Paige is going to laugh at the problems we did have, <laughs> which is I had a tendency because I was doing Faye back then as well where I would run my four-hour adventure playtest, and it would go eight hours. What? No. <laughs> I would cut half the encounters and playtest it again. It would run and eight it would hours. still run eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> I could not figure out why this thing took so long. And it turns out that if you let players have fun in fairy, they really just don't want to leave. Right. <laughs> There's something seductive about the Feywild that all those folklore writers were right about. So uh, we, usually what we're trying to do is, like the two weeks before the convention, figure out how to cut everything and yeah. To yeah. get it down to where it would fit within a four-hour slot at a convention. Right. That was our that was our windmill we were tilting at. <laughs> that is always the... Uh... Yeah. It's yeah. like, this... this how is this taking longer? There's 30% less words. <laughs> I, I remain unconvinced that anybody can possibly run any of the new Dreams of the Red Wizards adventures in the advertised six hours. Yeah. Unless they're seriously dropping something from the story. Mm-hmm. Is uh, that six hours advertised like at the table? Because we noticed that BM, oh, Ballman Games that virtual always takes 50% longer. Easy. Yeah. yeah well, two hours uh, adventures three, four hours six. Well, I've never run it in less than eight. You're in, you're in the window then. If it's six, yeah. then you're supposed to be up to nine. Yeah. You are on time. No, but I wrote it, so so I have an advantage. Actually, I found that actually works against you. Yeah, because you know you know it and love it. You don't want to. I realized I was running it online uh, last night, actually, and I realized I'm like into part two, and I'm like, I haven't even gotten the damn thing out. Right, <laughs> right. So, Eric, with this long and storied history of managing adventures and mm-hmm. and authors and editors and people and cartographers, and conventions for 
20 years. You've seen some shit. You have seen some shit. Hmm. Compare and contrast the game world, I don't know, 15 or 20 years ago to what? what's going on in the game world now. We'll just go with when you started until now, yeah. No, he started like back in the 80s at some point. So when he started managing 70. writers. You started managing writers. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, uh, that was year 2000. Yeah. Well, I started with Living Greyhound. I played a little bit in Living City, but I never got into it too much. Living he said that, and I was like, that's been 21 years. Oh, shit, it's been 21 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've been elfed. Yeah. I'm going to go away. <laughs> we had that happen in a home campaign where uh, uh, the uh, one of the players was playing a half-elf who just became of age and therefore had to join the Daggerford Militia because they were doing mm-hmm. under Ilfarn. And uh, then she went to go visit her father's family at House Flotion. And they're like, oh, you've joined. You've joined the, the, the militia. How wonderful. Shouldn't you, don't you have to be an adult to join that? And she says, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you do. What age are humans adults? 18. And you are 18. Oh, yes. You're right. They'll happen to you more and more as you get older. You're like, whoa, has it been? The 80s isn't 20 years ago anymore. Nope. No. <laughs> oh, oh, weird. Time just all kind of collapses in on itself. Yes. If, you're, if your birthday year starts with a one, you well, can They don't drink. have to card you anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yes. that's kind of cool. Like, I feel personally attacked. <laughs> <laughs> Violently. Yes. Like, why? Why would you do this to me? I felt attacked when my sister can drink, and now, like, anybody basically can drink. <laughs> so as I buy me more time to ponder Paige's question, because <laughs> it's a good one, and I'm thinking yeah. of all, I'm going through the decades, and it's kind of like mm-hmm. WandaVision in my head, <laughs> through the different conventions. Um, the main thing that's changed is now anybody can drink. No. Yep, that, that is a big one. Uh, yes. Kids show up now more at conventions than they used mm-hmm. to because we all started, we got older and re, uh, reproduced. Uh, you see a lot of couples, which you didn't see. The smell is better. Mm. Uh, I think that's partially because we got, we've got we gotten richer and we can now afford uh, hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, more diversity. Across the yes. board, both racial and uh, gender. Um, Has anything along. changed about the adventures themselves? Do you do you write? Do you do you architect different ed- styles of adventure now than you did twenty years ago? I find no, really, no. At the core, well, living gr- well, Jeff had a reputation. For being very storytelling. <laughs> yeah, it did have several reputations. Yes, and it deserved all of them. <laughs> all the reputations. Which I think the Jeff storyline was more in line with what we're doing now in Adventures <laughs> League. So mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, we were just ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we realized right on that this is a masterful narrative storytelling vehicle. That you mm-hmm. can share a story with people, and uh, 
as opposed to being a series of randomly connected dungeon crawls. Right. Right. And that's more what people associate with that time period in general. So like I said, holistically, I would say that it's changed from dungeon crawl to more narrative. But like you said, you were ahead of the curve. Like Jeff had a story from the beginning of uh, giants invaded to giants get Mm -hmm. kicked out and all the ups and downs between, which is kind of what we're doing with the moonshades right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Just on a bigger scale with a lot more DMs and a lot more players and a lot more resources. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but people still love stories Mm -hmm. and I don't think that's ever going to change. Um, no, because it gives us meaning. It gives us fulfillment. It gives us, I mean, it, it gives us so much. And so as long as you're telling a good story and the people have an opportunity to be part of it, that's going to continue regardless of edition, regardless of uh, uh, generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mostly the way it's changed has been the window dressing. The core is the same. Do you feel like online play is changing the stories we tell or how we tell them? I think it is changing how we're telling the stories. Explain, please. Well, one thing we were debating heavily among Baldwin Games is whether or not we wanted to go to a two-hour model for our adventures. Because for a lot of DMs, two hours online virtually is a full evening worth of play. Whereas a four-hour event is several evenings worth of play. Um, We decided to stick with the four hours because it was better for convention play. And Bald Man Mm -hmm. Games at the core at the time was a uh, convention convention machine. Where that's going to go in the future now that Dave is uh, doing all the virtual stuff for Wizards, I don't know. Um, We may want to consider doing two hours and instead of, like I, I sometimes you need more time to tell a story than two Mm -hmm. hours, but we could break it up into pieces. So effectively, like some of those old Jeff uh, fairy adventures, we could break them up into two, three four two-hour pieces, mm-hmm. and you're just playing through it. The downside to that one is that players don't always play the same two hours right after each other, and so you got to right. be careful about that. Which that which is the challenge of what do you do when all the players take all your adventures, put them into a big box, and <laughs> shake it, and whichever ping pong ball uh, pops up is which adventure they're going to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, you play seven and then three and then 14. I mean, th- there's only a limited amount of future proofing you can do. Yep, we we try we're trying to uh, make it easier with them by having that uh, cool little chart that uh, Petra did for us, which has the dragon behind it that shows how all the adventures fit together, mm-hmm. with some guidelines of eh, you probably should play earlier ones before later ones, but it's not totally necessary. I just notice the further you get down the line, there's going to be a bigger difference. So right. if you play four before you play two, it's really not a big deal. But if you play 18 and then you go back and play five, you're like, wow, everyone's much younger now. You're going to know some things that you probably shouldn't know unless you're doing some kind of quantum time leap. Yes. So, so all of this 
expertise that you've your hard worn hard won expertise in organizing large systems of adventures. Yeah, scars. <laughs> right. What are what are some of the biggest challenges? Where do, where do things fall apart? Uh, the biggest one is we're volunteers. <laughs> For the most part. I mean, uh, we do get stuff up on the guild and people get paid that way through royalties. Mm-hmm. But the amount of time we put in, we're volunteers. Um, right. So right. a lot of times you, you would know, you would literally earn more money hour by hour working working a day job. Yes. Hands down. Working a minimum wage day job. And that's even before the fifteen an hour. Yeah. Well, what that's, is not currently. A, that's not a thing everywhere. Should be, but that's another thought. Um, Looking at you, Tennessee. Seven and a quarter. Yeah. So, but uh, then real life happens. And so when you have volunteers, stuff happens. And trying to get things out in a timely manner is sometimes a challenge. And by sometimes, I mean eh, 80% well, or all. <clears throat> and so you got to be ready to play, play loose. And work with people as they have issues. That's why we have the trilogy lead. We do not let trilogy leads write in their own trilogy. We learned that early on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that if you were a tr- you can write for somebody else's trilogy. You cannot write for your own because if this drops, the trilogy lead is responsible for being the backup uh, backup fielder mm-hmm. when the ball goes pat- through the pat- through the infield. Uh, if that, uh, if the trilogy for lead field, it then comes to me. Yeah. And I have to fix it. So how, how often does the ball, how often does a trilogy lead have to take over? Like 10% of the time, 5% of the time, 1% About of the time? 10% of the time uh, before COVID and then it skyrocketed. Yeah. Yeah. And then it went to about 50 Mm-hmm. And what happens is you tend not to get the uh, 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 the uh, the way we kind of do it is we we don't we don't have a writer completely flake they just partially flake yeah and so it's like I got part of it done but I don't have this done it's like that's fine keep working on part one Tony work write part two I will write the call to action and we will have this done in three days yeah and many hands make light work. Sure. And if everyone comes together, then we push all the uh, uh, pieces together and we try to smooth it out and then put some frosting on it so people can't see where the seams are and the cake. Frosting hides all sins. Yep. Just make sure you put a... What we tend to do is we use a crumb coat uh, (laughs) in the fridge, which you laugh, but uh, that's what we uh, I consider the... First time we premiere it at one of our conventions is the crumb coat. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. going to run this checks out. at the convention and see how that works. <laughs> and then we're going to take another shot at it. <laughs> yep. Every convention is like a live fire exercise. Then we decide it's all good. We drop the fondant on top and it looks perfect. Yes. Ginny understands my bacon analogies. <laughs> yes. So... <laughs> I understand your struggles too. I was yeah. one of the COVID uh, time got away from it, life, and oh, yeah, it happens. And usually, what we want is just communication. Yeah, if we find out, like, like uh, uh, last last late spring, 
was... I don't even know what happened. Nobody does. It, <laughs> I it, don't even it was, know. Like, no, like it, free pass for Cody. You got, you got hit with Maple of 2020, 2020 where it's like, just fell into a hole. And you, we, we were stuck in March for like, shit, we're still in March. Look. Yeah, right? <laughs> There's a reason why it's called, it's a chess in Forgotten Realms. The yeah. Month of Storms. The old in like a lion, out like a lamb, except last year. Right. But if we have a communication, we can cover. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, as like, it's like, I need to see your draft. It's not ready yet. I don't care. I need to see the draft. I need to know yeah. where you are. Even if the answer is, I wrote this five minutes ago, return. I need to know that that's where we are so we can fix it. So um, I'm, I'm actually having my very first uh, story architect lead designer moment oh yeah you're doing some uh gary Gary stuff yes so sean Banerjee is the lead dog and i am the story designer author wrangler and final story editor of five adventures all of which are written by women people Mm -hmm. of color and or folks from the lgbt plus spectrum Okay. Um, Congratulations. Yes. Or yeah. Oh no, it's it's amazing. Sure yeah, it's, <laughs> there it's was, amazing. I thought there was one that wasn't, but you know, we'll just write over that one. Yeah, there there is not. Um, and like, I I can do author. Like, I can write adventures. That's something I got down. But the being able to manage writers, it's really hard. I have found the transition to be very hard. I enjoy it. Oh, I enjoy it. It's mm-hmm. just like, well, they didn't write that like I write it, so I'm just gonna change it so it's like, nope. Well, do. I'm used to doing that too because I edit. Right, right. You gotta wear all the hats, right, Eric? Mm-hmm. So how do you, you have to wear the hats you... one at a time? How do you? Yeah, oh, that's no, no. Hard. It's team. It's team fortress. Wear them all. <laughs> uh, so how, how did you make the transition from author to? Manager, project offers. manager. Yeah. Um, with phone calls. Yeah. Voice. Uh, a lot, actually, lot of communication. It's so much easier with Discord now than it was back in Living Greyhawk. <clears throat> Thank heavens. Um, because yeah. if I got an adventure, it's like, uh oh, we're gonna have to do a hard, hard revision on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to bring the author in with a. Uh, Either a phone call or Discord. Doing it mm-hmm. voice, doing it with voice, uh, doing it where I can see them even is better with Discord. Yeah. Uh, so I can walk them through what changes I need to do as, or we need to make as the uh, for the good of the adventure. Mm-hmm. And if you do it by email, I found that authors got very upset because they read it with the most terrible tone. Yeah. Um, so, if I can do it with voice, and I can start bringing in the ultra sultry voice, and I lower it down, and we talk about things. And it's like, okay, so this is what I'm dealing with. And these are the thoughts that go into my mind, and I can start bringing the author with me on the journey. 
mm-hmm. on, well, you have this thing, this uh, encounter going on here. Now, we did something like this about three years ago, and it worked this way. And so we had to make some changes because of that. So I recommend that we do something similar here and like mm-hmm. benefit from uh, all my experience, all my past mistakes, which mm-hmm. is what experience seems to be. Benefit from it. And I want, yeah. and, and if I can talk to them, it's easier to make that transition. Also, always do that managerial sandwich with the praise, uh, 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 some uh, feedback and changes, followed by some f- more praise at the end. Yeah, it's solid, solid. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I never get an adventure that's like this is terrible from start to finish. Uh, there's like this is <laughs> this is good here. This is good over here. We have some, we're going to have some issues here. Uh, so start with this. Start with that, and make the writers feel special. Mm-hmm. Make them mm-hmm. understand that they're part of a team and be there as the help helper as opposed to yeah, uh, harsh overseer. Uh, yeah, harsh overseer. Especially I, um, if you're dealing with new writers who have never done this before. Yeah. Yes. I actually asked my writers to write in Google Documents <laughs> so I can see what they're writing at all times. Mm, good bring... luck with that. No, it worked fine. Worked like a charm. I asked them to put their stuff in the Dropbox, and that still hasn't happened. Yeah. Google Google Docs is different. Google Docs is different than Dropbox. People hate hate Dropbox. Yeah. It's fine for storing files. It's it's terrible for working live. That is absolutely the fact. Yes. It ruins my formatting. Yeah, it does. Uh, you, You can get the AL format into Google. Nope, not even close. But that is my biggest problem. That is your layout person's problem. <laughs> yeah. The authors are going to screw up the layout anyway. Absolutely, 100% screw, of the time. They're going to screw up the format anyway, so why even uh, ask them to do it? Especially with AL. It's a very, very finicky, precise format. It is. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it kind of has to be that way. Because it's a user's manual to hundreds of, maybe thousands of DMs on how to run this event. And so it has mm-hmm. to be formulated. This has to go here. This has to go here. This has to go there. Standard operating procedure. Yeah. Sure. It's like, the DM knows what to expect. It becomes easier for them to uptake the information if it's fed to them in a form that they expect. And to quote Rosencrantz and, Gerdins, uh, uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstein, is like the audience knows what to expect is unprepared to handle anything else. Mm-hmm. So if the DM gets it out of the AL format, they'll be like, I don't know where this is. And yep. then they oh, moved my cheese. Yeah. Please, please note back to season eight. <laughs> yeah. Who moved my cheese is exactly how it goes. <laughs> yeah. That was that was what I spent all of season eight going, your cheese is still right here. <laughs> just, but it moved. just a different color box. It moved. I covered it up so that it didn't get eaten. It's fine. But uh, I kind of like the S nine, the season nine format. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've gotten a, a grip on it, and th- that helps a whole lot. But uh, I haven't gone to Google Docs yet because I'm scared. Yeah, the thing is, like, I found that nobody can do the formatting right, but mm-hmm. me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so egotistical when you say well- it out loud. Well, you know what I mean. I do, but it's just like when you say it out loud, only I can do it. 
The thing is, I want it a certain way, and I know they're not going to be able to read my mind, so I'm just like, put it in Google Docs, and we'll figure it out. That <laughs> I like them doing it more in the format, so yeah, that's why we with the Dropbox. Also, I have versioning, and I can go back six months on Dropbox. Gdocs does versioning. Gdocs does versioning. Not by six months. <laughs> I can go... <laughs> I can find a version on something that I wrote two years ago. We uh, still don't like Google Docs. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not trying to sell you on it. Yeah. I like being able to have Google. a file somewhere that I can stare at. And I might be old fashioned about that, but. Yeah. I don't so, know. I like my Windows Explorer. <laughs> I can look at the documents and go, there's that's there, that's there, that's there, because I also have everything color coded to help me keep track of where the mm. files are. So Hey, if you've got a system, ain't nobody gonna gonna argue with you. So um mm. so you so you have been responsible for a whole lot of adventures getting played by a whole lot of people and going on to the DMs Guild. How 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 would you suggest to a a novice author or even an experienced author, how would you suggest they get involved with the Moonshase project? Ask. Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> join our Discord server, which is the Bald Man Games Discord server, and we have a Moonshase channel in there. And uh, when I started doing the Moonshase, uh, we did a blast on Twitter asking for anyone who was interested in writing for us to let us know. And that's where the writer's pool came from. Mm-hmm. Um now uh we had so many people volunteer i'm still working my way through that list mm-hmm. um even with 49 different writers i'm about a third of the way through it um and we occasionally have people inquire and i just say well yeah sure send me an email and i'll add you the list mm-hmm. um two things are going to change in the future about this one one tony has to manage this ha 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 when i retire um the second one is we're going to have uh, information about how to do this on the Bald Man Games website mm-hmm. that they're revising so that we have an official way of like, if you're interested in writing for the Moonshays, please send an email to info at baldmangames.com, which Dave will get and forward to me, uh, mm-hmm. which is how it worked last time. Hmm. So uh, the biggest one is if you join the Discord, uh, I'm active on there. We have a Moonshays channel, and you can uh, uh, always reach me through that. And I will pr- ask you to send me an email with the following information, your contact information, uh, how you want to be con- uh, email, uh, any prior experience you have, <clears throat> even if it's just writing for your home campaign. That still counts. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a writing sample. And if you have it already published on the DM scale, you can just give me the link. I can get it from that. So <clears throat> what kind of... Even, suppose someone doesn't have something on DMs Guild. What would you be looking for in a writing sample? An encounter. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind that uh, I'm going to be glancing at this real quick. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to have like, here's my campaign setting for the world of Crease. It is 400 pages. I'm like, I'm not going <laughs> to It's like, here I have this fantastic encounter where the parties foil an assassination attempt during a parade through the grand, the city of Care Paravel. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, all right, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear about how you foil the assassination attempt of uh, during a parade through the city of Care Paravel. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Write me a small encounter and include the bits that w- I like it would appear in the Adventures League, uh, which you can get the formatting 
from them. Right. But essentially, I need a uh, an intro, a area information, the creatures, and then the outro, which we call mm-hmm. development. Right. Which is what happens at the end. Where do we go from, from here? here? Who knows? Which is my biggest thing I'm always adding into adventures, <sighs> which is what happens when the players are done here? Uh, How do we get to the next stop? Yes. I need to know. I am a, I, I am a DM. I am. I got handed this adventure an hour ago. Oh, Lord, no. Please help me, writer. <laughs> Tell me where to go next. An hour is awfully generous. Sometimes you're leafing through it for the first time at the table. We try to avoid that. Yeah, yeah. But I got to assume worst case scenario. And I I do find the outro through development sections to be very helpful of like, if the parties go left, go to scene B. If the parties go right, go to scene C. Mm -hmm. As opposed to me having to, okay, I'm going to pull out the map. Now, which way is it? Right. Which takes time. Precious, Mm -hmm. precious time at the table. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which, especially if playing online, you just don't have. Time is so precious online. Mm-hmm. So, so you mentioned that uh, you're retiring from this position, and that Tony will be taking it yes. over. What's what's up with that? Uh, well, I was contracted to do this for three years to get us mm-hmm. through the Rising Shadows campaign, which, come the summer, I will have successfully done, and I will have. Oh, 20 different trilogies out, which are all going to go into the historic basket. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting with season 12 of the Adventures League, Tony Winslow Brill is taking over as chief uh, uh, story architect for the Moonshays, and she'll be mm-hmm. doing our seasonal campaign tied with whatever book is that's coming out season 11. Huh, okay. Um, Tony is fantastic. Oh, yeah, I love Tony. Oh, him. my God, we could not have asked. Uh, we have an embarrassment of riches in good writers and developers at all man games so we could have picked her there's like i could think three other people that would like oh they'd be really good um and so i would like to take some time off to go do some other projects um and let someone else take a turn at the wheel but i will kind of be lurking in the background as their moonshay sage as needed emeritus yes emeritus i like it so so what what's next Menzo Baranza yeah. and 5e? Actually. Menzo Baranza. Yes. Really? But not really. Aww. You just let us down like that. It's next door to Menzo. What's next door to Menzo Baranza? Another drow city. Oh, okay. Uh, Menzo Baranza has been done. Um, are, are we, a lot. I can't pronounce most of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, uh, um, yeah, those are drow cities. You just have to throw all the vowels that these stole from the moonshays. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's the conservation of consonants. They're all there. Uh, they just shift with the C's back and forth. I am deeply in love with one of uh, Ed Greenwood's crea- uh, deities by the name of Illustrahi. Mm, yeah. The drow goddess of the moon. And uh, and dance and song and the redemption of the and crowd. redemption, yeah. Uh, I want to uh, go to do a series uh, setting in Orindlin. 
which is a drow city underneath of the high moor close to Daggerford. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been destroyed is where uh, Illustrae reemerged from the weave after the spell plague. Mm-hmm. And the followers of Illustrae in my headcanon have created a haven in the underdark in the ruined city of Arundlan, where they are helping Drow escape from the uh, clutches of Lolf. Uh-huh. And this is kind of like a literal step on the underground railway hmm. uh, to help Drow get away from Lolf. And also because I thought the Underdark needed a nice place for the players to rest and recover and buy equipment. And this could be it, but it's a secret rebel base, so don't let the Lolfites find out. Sure, sure. Uh, I don't want to write this alone. I have a lot of people I want to write with. I'm particularly eyeing one of our Moonshay writers, mm-hmm. Ayana Jones Lightly. I, I love Ayana! She's who one I, of my writers. Who I've talked this, to about uh, this, and yeah. she is amenable. Yeah. One last time. <laughs> yep. The, um, so this is, uh, I would really want to do this one because it could be a lot of fun. Also, I can sneak in a lot of my headcanon that what Lolf is actually trying to do with the trow- the drow and why Elastri is absolutely fundamental to their salvation. Okay. She is uh, break- going on the Morden Cadence Tome of Foes over here on this bookshelf where the, the, the souls of the elves are reincarnating right back to uh, the Seldarine. She is trying to break that cycle. Oh, Loth is? Yes. She wants them to reincarnate through the demon web. That makes sense. Okay, sure, sure. And that is why drow society is the way it is, is because the true prisoners of the drow are the drow. Correct. That Lolf has created this web that has encased them and has trapped them, and she's literally torturing an entire people to Mm -hmm. turn them into yuckle. And that way they stop becoming elves and they become demons and only to her. And they serve only her. Oh, that makes absolute perfect sense. And the person that is opposed to this most of all is Elastri. Because if she can show the drow that there's another way that Lolf is not how this has to be, it shatters Lolf's power over the drow. Mm -hmm. And Lolf knows it. And she hates Elastrae with the passion of a thousand sons. And that's who the players are going to be siding with. Mm-hmm. So That sounds like great fun. I'm really hopeful. We'll see if we can do a uh, drow done right, because it's going to be full of good aligned drow. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you're going to have the dark maiden, uh, the dark maiden, the dark ladies, the various uh, uh, song knights mm-hmm. of Elysian. Because, because I mean, the biggest problem with drow, well, no, <laughs> two of the biggest problems with drow is that they're racist AF and sexist AF, and being able to not do that anymore sounds freaking fantastic. Yeah. That was the goal. I'm really yeah. hoping, which is why I also want to bring in some uh, other writers to help me with this one, because I think that's important. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. You mentioned diversity earlier. Mm. What what have you done to help ensure more diverse voices in uh, in your sphere of influence with your writers and editors and authors and photographers, et cetera, et cetera? Way back in 2018, mm-hmm. when we were all younger, <laughs> um, I had a meeting with Dave and the trilogy leads at the time and said, okay, who do we need to have write? Who do we have as writers? Mm-hmm. And we had a very short list. I was like, "Come on, guys, we get we need more people than this." Um, is it all right? Because this, th- this is what three three white guys sitting in the room, right? Uh, no, that well, yeah. Uh, see who else was there? Savannah hadn't come on yet. Amy hadn't come on yet. We Tony... had Merwin. Mm-hmm. So you you had Merwin me. Peter Schleipen and and and, uh, and and Dave, so and Krishna. Yeah. Okay, still still different different um, country, but still white. Then Slepin too. Yeah, yeah. Those uh, the Dutch, however, do two things really well: design dams and write D and D adventures. Yeah, uh, I can't argue with their skill. Boy, they're good at it. Yeah. Um, well, you can't go outside half the time, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, here you are. So I was like, we got we, white we, dudes. And I was like, we get, we got it, we got to cast a, a wider net. So that's why I did that first call for writers, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we, uh, I started building up the writers pool, mm-hmm. and then when I went to the trilogy leads, I said I would like to have a policy for, uh, the moonshays that we have one person of color and one woman on each trilogy. Mm-hmm. And that's our goal. That's what I want us to strive for. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really go for too much on the LGBT. It kind of took care of itself because I yeah. looked at the list of writers we had. I was like, okay, we're good there. Um, yeah. We, we got to look for other, uh, for the other angles. And so mm-hmm. I was deliberately pulling in new voices. Mm-hmm. And as we got, new openings on the trilogy lead. I also asked that we expand the trilogy lead to another two people. Mm -hmm. uh, And we brought on Amy and then Savannah and then Mm -hmm. Tony. Right. So uh, right now we're currently at the, out of the four trilogy lead active trilogy leads, we have three women. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do not have a person of color yet. Uh, I expect to fix that in the next iteration at some point. Because mm-hmm. uh, the first thing I had to do is I needed to bring in uh, people of color on the writing angle. Right. There uh, just weren't enough black writers at that point. And I was like, I got to get in on the first level and then yep. we can start promoting. And I mm-hmm. fully intend to do so. Um, if you look at our list of writers, we've been mostly successful. Mm-hmm. Um. You can kind of see the the change starting to happen. Actually, well, we had Savannah in Moon Two, Cat Kruger in Moon Three, mm-hmm. Cindy Effie, and then Jay Africa in Moon Four, mm-hmm. and uh, Moon Six. Uh, Amy Lynn took over, and we had Diana and As and Emily. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moon Seven had Jennifer Adcock. Uh, Moon 8, Savannah again, then uh, Michael Zhang. Ree was in Moon 9. Janine, Moon 10. 
Maat Crook, Justine Vandermeer, and this Eric Mingy dude in Moon Eleven. <laughs> so it sounds like you you made a deliberate policy to include more diverse more diverse voices in yes. the business of yeah. these games. Yes, that was the goal. It's like if I got a list of trilogy leads of of authors from trilogy lead that were all white guys, I came back and said, "Try again." Why? Are you sure? I didn't see this. Resubmit. Yeah. And send it back. And it's... uh, Did you get any pushback? None. Yeah. Yeah, like you can have those three people. You just need to spread those three white guys out over three trilogies. It's fine. We're We're not saying they can't write. You can find a black woman. That's two for one right there. (laughs) Then you're two white guys. Yeah, or or you know, um, Asian or. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we've had a lot of luck on the Asian American writers between Michael mm-hmm. Dong and uh, Jackie Lung, who did so, uh, did some work for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Michael's been back twice mm-hmm. because he's he did, very good because he did such a bang up job. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Maat did two for us, so it has it has been a uh, purposeful. Uh, purposeful decision that it, it takes a while though. Yeah, it does. Because we have such a huge lead period of nine months. Uh, and that was just from our outline. But but we've now been doing this for three years. So we're starting to see uh, uh, dividends from that. Yeah, kind of a real pipeline. Yeah, I mean, it's a process. We need more black players. We need more black DMs. We need more black authors. We need more black, black convention runners. We need more black... Da, la, 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 la. It starts at the table. That's why you and I went to BlurredCon. Yes, yes. I'm also a big believer in pulling diverse voices into mm. games. Mm-hmm. Man, they Absolutely. they were ready to play. That was where I learned that the two hours were the way to go. Yeah. Because when you have people who have never played, I've never played this D&D thing, regardless of the con, they yeah. want to do about two hours. Yeah, that, you know, that's why movies are something like two hours, because that's about the 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 limit of resiliency of the human backside. They might is, want to do the two-hour thing like 12 times, but they want to do it in two-hour increments. Yeah. Yes, that is what usually happens is they show up for two hours and say, that was awesome. I want to do it again after I go to the bathroom. I'm going to go find my other friend and I'm going to be right back. Yeah. And then there's like at the end of it, like, I want to do a third one. And then by that point, I want to do the fourth and finish out the entire series because we're doing Moon 1-1. One, one. I can yeah. never get one of those things done short of two hours, especially when I'm mm-hmm. having to tell people what a perception check is. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, so, but it works really well. Um, and then inside the moonshays as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that was going to be my next question. Oh, it's oh, we're vibing now. Yes, um, got some diversity there too. The folk aren't white. Yeah, Not, what are they? Canonically, they are. Well, went to Brian Cortillo. Uh, this one, who is one of our uh, Forgotten Realm sages, he says they should look. Uh, Vaguely Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Oh. So they have Celtic overtones, but their racial, uh, what facial features and coloring should look vaguely Puerto Rican because they're Tethyrians. Mm-hmm. Very dusky, I believe, was what one of the wikis, which I don't know how I feel about that word. And... Well, it's good that you get that one or olive. Yeah. But they're. But little... It's not really the same thing, though. They're not olive. They're a little no. bit. They're, they're darker than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they they have a uh, long brown, they have brown, slightly uh, curly hair, wavy, mm-hmm. 
dark, oh, big brown eyes, except for those who have elven heritage, which are green. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have a lot of Northlanders who are Vikings. Yeah. Totally Vikings. Thank you, Ed Greenwood. Mm. Was that, uh, that one might be a more Doug Niles. Maybe, maybe. Because he was basing it off of the, of, of Anglo, of Anglo-Celtic Britain. Mm-hmm. Where the Vikings were invading, and the folk mm-hmm. were the Gaelic people of of, of Britain, mm-hmm. and then you have the fairies who can be whatever you want them to be, indeed, because they don't actually. I always posit they didn't actually have bodies; they just have story constructs of bodies, right? Sometimes they're made out of ice or leaves or flowers, or you know. Whatever. And whenever you are a port country like uh, the Moonshays. Uh, you're, you're, you get a lot of people traveling. Mm-hmm. So you get the, uh, the ports are full of people from all over the place. Mm-hmm. Especially somewhere like the Moonshades that has so much resources. So, so much. So you've made an, an effort with the adventures to make sure to include characters that are sp- non-player characters that are specifically described as having darker skin tones, uh, and and mm-hmm. and reflecting that in your art as well. That was one of the reasons why we did the art. We also decided that I wanted to do that very early on with the regional guide, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is where I had it narrated by uh, Quente Neris, mm-hmm. who is half Cholton. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a uh, Cholton mom and a Moonshavian dad. And mm-hmm. comes to the Moonshays because we were hearkening back to the old... Uh, Moonshay FR2 splat book that they put out for first edition. Sure. And we had, I wanted to put in a narrator for two reasons. One, to humanize the Moonshays. And also I was concerned that if uh, we didn't have anyone, we might, at that point in time, we didn't have that many dark skinned characters. So I mm-hmm. put one in as the narrator who is in front and center. Right. At the get go. We made. And who say- is also a woman. Yes. And ends up being a druid of the White Well of Snowdown mm-hmm. and is a repeating character in our adventures. The same reason why we had um, the, high, high queen, the High Queen of the Moonshays be trans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are specifically LGBT characters in there. I remember playing an adventure with Mott where one of the NPCs sells transitionates. Yep. Uh, Paige, Paige lost her mind with happiness. I did. I did lose my mind. Poor Mott. With, like, I... I think it's the first time I ever met them and uh, they're, you know, they're DMing and this is an adventure and they're talking about it and they're, and then they say something like, then the apothecary says, I don't know. I'm just here to sell transition aids. And I'm like, did you just say you were here to smell, sell transition aids? And Mott looks at me because she didn't know me from anyone. And she's, and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, that's us. Because yeah, Mott didn't look- know whether you were positive or right, negative. Right. We're about to have an outburst, and you're just like delighted. <laughs> they they did look at me like I like I could have exploded at that point, and I did explode, but with but with happiness. I just fully approved. Fully approved. <laughs> yeah, we try, we let the uh, writers uh, uh, make that decision, mm-hmm. and we support their decisions, and it's led to all sorts of fun things. Mm-hmm. Especially uh, our captain, our puppy, our our horn dog pirate captain, who has been uh, who has shown up many. I'm trying to remember Cree. That's his name. Captain oh, Captain Cree. Cree. Oh, oh yes, he's a fun one. 
mm-hmm. the other captain. Well, that that's a very interesting, and this is, of course, very different than the way the games we wrote 20 years ago looked. Maybe maybe not the games you wrote, but as a as a community. I, let me put it this way: mm-hmm. I certainly don't recall it twenty years ago. No, I don't think. There, well, there was less true, overt yeah. representation. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, I agree with that one. Had to go. I had to run through all the Rolodex. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff was so insular because it was yeah. way up in the mountains. Uh, although it was a country that was a mixture of the Flan, Iridian, and Sul all together. So it was pretty dark-skinned anyway. Right. Yeah. And one of the things, like, I really don't want to get into racial tensions. We're not going to make that an issue. We deal with political tensions, like the Knights of the March, and whether or not Keoland is taken over, or... Uh, uh, in hindsight, I would have toned down the half-orc thing. Yeah, I would just say, ah, he's 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 somebody's cousin, and that's how they would refer <laughs> to all the half orcs is he's a cousin. Yeah, and because everyone's got one, and yeah, just like eh. they're just part of the family. Yep, come on, let's go. Uh but with a uh, boon chase, yeah, I, 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 yes, I agree with your assessment. I don't think we, we like, for example, we had to go through and we do a meta tag after every time a character is introduced when the character is first sure. introduced. So you have their name and then we used to have just parentheses like male pirate close parentheses. Mm-hmm. We had to include a lot more information lately. Yeah. Including pronouns. And there was large discussion on uh, how we wanted to go about doing that because we want because when you're adopting this to go through 20 trilogies, you want to have it be consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, how far do we want to go? Do we want to say non-binary? Do we want to do gender fluid? How many classifications do we want to go to? Uh, how do we identify trans people in this sort of thing? So uh, I have several trans people I know and are friends with, so I just asked them. And they said, mm-hmm. oh, just leave it as it is normal and then just mention the trans part in the body. And I was like, okay, yeah. I'll do that. And so that became our policy. Because otherwise you would probably never know. Never know, mm-hmm. uh, especially like with High Queen Kefri, wouldn't mm-hmm. know yeah. unless because uh, the Moonshade people are more annoyed that she's uh, a follower of uh, uh, oh gosh the goddess the goddess of nobility from the mainland starts with an S. Sunet no semaphone uh, semaphore. No, yeah, yeah, the castle yeah. lanterns and dragon heist worship. Yeah, her seaphone. Yeah, Yeah, something like that. So the Moonshavians are more upset that she's a paladin of this mainlander god Mm -hmm. than the trans thing. That really doesn't affect them. They're like, "Ah, our neighbors are fairies. What do you want? They can care less about that bit. Yeah. Which is how they. uh, uh, So, so, yeah, that's been a lot more. So when we did this, we had to have a discussion of how we wanted to do the nomenclature. Mm-hmm. To make sure it was consistent and respectful, and also efficient. Yeah. Yes. But it's just something you do, and then move along and continue telling the stories. Mm-hmm. If you just put it right there boop, in the parentheses, it, it makes it efficient. Yeah. Because nine times out of ten, it just doesn't matter. It's not like 
I mean, this is Adventures League. There's not people having sex in these adventures. No matter how hard I try, they keep cutting it out. (laughs) Like, nobody cares what's in people's pants. (laughs) Although that is an objection I had with, like, the ghosts of Saltmarsh. Poor Saltmarsh has no kids. And no one (laughs) seems to be married in this place. Except for the gay guys. And I'm like, come on, we need some families around here. How is this place surviving? Even if they're gay, very gay guys with families, I want to see families. Lots of them. Yeah. Yes. And never explain. Just never explain it. You don't have to. But uh, with it does help with the pronouns because if mm-hmm. you know where to find it, right in mm-hmm. that uh, metadata stuff, then again, efficiency. And the DM yeah. you look right there. It's like, oh, what's their alignment? Oh, what's their pronoun? Excellent. There. Keep go- ready to go. Yep. All right. Well, we have been talking for about an hour and 15 minutes, which is a little longer than we normally do. But frankly, you got a lot of interesting stuff. It's an interesting topic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm super pleased to be here. This has been wonderful. It it is lovely to catch up with you again. And it's been too long. It has. Is there anything you'd like to tell our guests about what you have upcoming or things that they of yours that they should go inspect on the internet or places they can come play games with you or places well, well definitely come to the ball brand games virtual uh tabletops which you can do through yawning portal uh on the wizard site okay. um we'll put that in our show notes so that people yeah yawningportal.dnd.wizard.com yes and uh, the DM on the DMs Guild, our regional guide is on sale for six dollars. It might not be by the time we air this. Oh right, well, as of this time, even if it's not on sale, it's ten dollars. Yeah. But yeah, currently I don't know how long they're uh, that sale lasts. But anyway, it's uh, nearly sixty pages. Still a bargain. Oh yeah, it's a great product. Great, absolutely product. wonderful. Uh. We'll keep an eye out for that Orinland thing in the future. Also had a sure. great conversation with uh, Lee Francis from Native Realities Press about possible uh, stuff in the moon chase. Because if you look at our map of Gwyneth, at the southern shore, there's a lot of Maztecan names mm-hmm. for villages. I was like, what's up with this? And I've been doing some research. And mm-hmm. I was like, I know someone who needs to write this. Hey, Lee, mm-hmm. I'm in a Pueblo. Mm-hmm. How'd you like to do some moonshine? Cool. So we'll see what he cooks up. Not only are there as Manistecans there, there's a glade of the cat lord. Ooh. Everyone loves a cat lord. Man, I fell in love with that. Like, he came oh. out at a delicate point in my puberty. <laughs> it was in second edition. <laughs> I know! And oh, I've kind of had a. He just had a sensuality. He did. Ugh. So, uh, so are you, uh, you, are you on social media? I you am. Tell folks how to grab you there. Uh, fortunately I have the bizarre last name. Makes it easy to find. I am at Eric with a C underscore Mengi. M-E-N-G-E. Excellent. Excellent. Frankly, if uh, you Google Eric Mengi, you're going to get me because there's only two of us in the nation. They're the guy who sells insurance in Minnesota. And you that got a cool website. Yes. Mythmakers.com, which is my uh, Penumbra uh, website that I use for all my projects, whether they be Adventures League. I also have a webcomic that is currently on hiatus, which I'm going to pick back up once I'm out of the moon chase. Uh, Snow by Night, which is all about North American fantasy in the 80s. It's really cool. 
Yeah. Uh, and then also I do a uh, pet site, virtual pet site mm-hmm. called The Tattered World, which if you like Neopets or uh, Gaia Online, it's pretty much cross that with Dungeons and Dragons and you get The Tattered World where you get to meet cute animals, befriend them, play dress up and help rebuild the world that destroyed itself a thousand years ago. Of course, the huh. number destroyed it is still out there. Ooh. Somehow did, I somehow did not know you had that. I, I, I should totally promote this more often then. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think I still have a subscription to Tattered Weave. Like, or, or well, it's free to play. It's, it's a browser-based game. You don't have to spend any money. We deliberately Was, went with the uh, free to play. Did you it or something? Hmm? Uh, yes, we did kickstart it. Okay, so it was the Kickstarter. Oh, in that case, you get all the Kickstarter bennies, mm-hmm. which means free stuff. Because mm-hmm. we went with a model of free to pay, pay for convenience. Yeah. So uh, in order to speed through some of the grinding, you uh, if you buy some premium cash, it takes care of that. But we tried not to put anything behind paywalls. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diane Hazlett has been um, uh, instrumental in putting this together along with a army of artists and our fantastic writer uh, Sienna Leslie who, uh, who has been helping out with that and us actually we've been joined by Savannah Houston oh okay she's going to help us with our marketing but, oh, so uh, you'll be promoting it more <laughs> yes that's probably where she's going to be poking me going promote your stuff promote your stuff <laughs> Well, now's your chance. Now's your chance. It is so uh, adorably cute, and at the same time, um, uh, very dramatic and emotional because Sienna and Diane are quite great, uh, great writers. Mm-hmm. Um, as you rediscover all the worlds that are floating in the tatters, and slowly help bring the world back together again. And that's at tatteredworld.com. Excellent. We will put that in the show notes as well. Jenny, why don't you tell our devoted listeners where they can find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on the internet um, pretty much anywhere under my name. That's Jenny Loveday, G-I-N-N-Y-L-O-V-E-D-A-Y. That'll get you Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, everything that's not YouTube. Because, um, you know... I'm, I'm fighting them still. <laughs> One day, I believe it will happen. Um, but uh, that'll get you that. You can find me Sunday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central Time on my Twitch channel for the Designer's Den interview show with RPG creators. Uh, and you can find me doing other things at other times. <laughs> they, they vary. Uh, you can also find me at the Virtual Weekends as well. And... Um, I'll be answering questions on the Bowman Game social media. <laughs> so tr- be, be nice. <laughs> uh, you can find me on the internet by searching for Paige Lightman. That's P-A-I-G-E-L-E-I-T-M-A-N. You can also join me Monday nights at 7 p.m. Pardon me, 8 p.m. Eastern Time <laughs> on Feats and Fables, a streaming show that I do you can find the D&D Roundtable also by just Googling us. <laughs> well, and we're a little harder to Google. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at D, the letter N, D, 
round table facebook is the same or you can send us an email that's d the letter in d roundtable at gmail.com please if you can like us on facebook and leave a review on facebook itunes wherever you find your podcast we really appreciate your support and feedback Important note, if you do Google it all as three separate words, we show up at the top along with a complete discussion on whether a rectangular versus circular table is better for gaming. <laughs> oh my god, I love and this now so we much. know. I love this conversation already. <laughs> and on that note, that's it for this episode of the D&D Roundtable. Until Bye next time. <laughs> Bye. We're, we're waving and this is just audio. Goodbye. <laughs>